around 36 years ago, there was a group of 12 people who lived the message of the song you just heard. Uh, the song hadn't been re written yet, so there's no way they could have heard that message at that point, uh, but they heard it in their souls. That group at that time in 1972 was considered to be sinners, even by the most liberal churches. Those 12 people were considered sick by even the official status of the American Psychological Association at that time. And those 12 people, according to the laws of our nation and the laws of Texas, were considered criminals. And yet they gave their all. They gave their everything. They risked their security together, together in an apartment in the Montrose. They gathered despite what they might lose. Sinners, sick, criminals. And yet, they were our ancestors. And we are here today because they dared. They dared to imagine that through their faithfulness and through their coming together, the view of the church would ultimately change. That people would begin to look at them differently and that at some point the laws would change. We're not all the way there even today, yet that group dared to imagine a future that they could help create. That group dared to dream, dared to believe, dared to give and dared to live. And today we can dream and give and live because of them, our ancestors. Their story is our story. And I praise God for those 12 people who were bold enough to gather in the Montrose Oh, they imagined. They knew that somehow they would grow, that God would work through them. But could they have imagined this? A church with a bold witness, with community partnerships. I mean, 12 people, they didn't have a choir the first time they met. And yet last Sunday for Easter Sunday, we had over 50 voices and musicians beyond those voices celebrating a wonderful Easter Sunday this day, we've got just us in the sanctuary choir. Uh, Stephen composed the Glory to God piece that we're singing through this season of Easter. So much talent, more than they could ever imagine. And yet they knew that God had a dream and a vision for them, and all they had to do was lean into that and listen into that and see what God would do with that. And we can see what God's done. Their story is beautifully described in our Imagine uh, brochure. I hope you've had a chance to look at this. If not, there's an Imagine table in the gathering place. and It, it tells how those dreamers moved us and brought us to this point. But as I thought about it, the story actually goes much further than that. There was another group, small group, around 12, that also gathered in a small room, probably about the size of that apartment. But that small room was in Jerusalem. It was a group of people who had fearlessly and boldly heard the call of Jesus when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
Not just enough for yourself, but so much flowing through you and in you and out of you that this abundance will spread around the world. That's what I've come to do. That's what I've come to give. Lean into my imagination, Jesus said. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And they believed that. And they followed him. They were ready to go anywhere he would go. And then he died. He was crucified. And in that moment, they wondered if what he said was really true. And they found themselves questioning, how is this abundant life? And yet they found strength in each other as they held on to each other in that room. They found themselves imagining. Maybe it's not over yet. Maybe there's more to come. Can we believe? I believe. Help my unbelief. Do you believe? I believe. There they were, standing on the precipice a full, abundant, eternal life, leaning into each other, imagining with each other, believing in a dream beyond death. And Jesus walked into that room, and he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit, the breath of eternal life that cannot be crucified and will not die. He breathed on them. And the imagination that had stirred in them stirred again to new and bolder and more determined life. Yes, they were hiding from the authorities. They were afraid just like that group that met in the Montrose. But they knew that their faith was greater than their fear. And we're here today because when Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit filled them, and they moved out of that room into the world to continue to live the story that is a story that we live. We're here today because they received that breath and that spirit and that movement. The story still wasn't over because they took that message to Asia Minor. They took that message and formed the church that's described in your epistle lesson today. Asia Minor is now modern-day Turkey. But they went to that place with this message of abundant life. And once again, we saw a people who met together in rooms despite the fact that the authorities did not approve of them. The authorities did not approve of the disciples that met in Jerusalem. They did not approve of those who met in Asia Minor. And they didn't approve of those who met as resurrection 36 years ago. But they knew there was a higher authority that called them into being. They were told that they had to bow down and worship the emperor. They refused to do so. They became criminals. They were told that they would not be accepted in the marketplace. And sure enough, it was illegal for them to do business. They were put down by their neighbors. There was no community of respect in Asia Minor in those days. And yet that group of people gave everything they had. Their time, their gifts, their money, their security, all that they had that they might be that community imagining beyond themselves to something bolder and truer and deeper. They continued to write the story that is our story 
today. Which brings us to this moment. It's totally legal for us to meet today. For the most part, the liberal churches at least have declared that being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender is a gift. The authorities will not interrupt our service today. And yet, even in recent times, a gay teenager was killed in California, one of those blue states where those kind of things aren't supposed to happen, but it did. Hate crimes are still prevalent. Even last Sunday, a Catholic church in this neighborhood was desecrated. It was a hate crime. We are still called to rise up and to imagine a new creation and a new world. We are called to continue to write the story of love. Tolerance, it's not good enough. And we are called to imagine just as boldly as that group in Jerusalem and that group in Asia Minor and that group in Montrose imagined. We are to imagine being a church with a worldwide witness that offers a place where people can gather in the fullness and the truth of who they are, bearing witness to the love of a creative God who masterfully and with great artistry has created us to reflect divine image. There is so much that we can do. And if you look on the back of this uh, brochure at some point, you may have it with you. If not, be sure to look at this because some of the things we're called to do are, are just amazing. You know, one of the pieces in this that inspires me the most is um, the vision this has for those to come after us. Uh, the vision here for our children. And it's not just about offering programs where our children are occupied while we worship. This is what this says. Why become a legacy giver? Why be a part of the Imagine campaign? (laughs) I love this. To create committed leaders for tomorrow through expended children and youth programs. These aren't just children. These are future leaders of a new community. The beloved community. What we're called to do is priceless. And that group that met in Montrose, that group that met in Asia Minor, that group that met in Jerusalem, they they didn't know that what they were doing was going to eventually impact us in this place today. So what we're doing um, is not about us. It's about future generations. And um, those before us, they gave everything. Uh, So what are we called to give? That's the question that gets kind of tough. And this is where it gets kind of uncomfortable. You know, folks say they don't want to come to church and and hear about money. And yet that's the second topic that Jesus talked about behind the community of God. He talked about it all the time because he knew that money was a vessel that God could use to create amazing opportunities. And, uh, you know, you go to a restaurant, it's not like they don't put the prices on the menu. Uh, it's not like you can go to a restaurant and come to the end of the meal and say, wow, that was yummy. Yay. Loved it. Loved it. Thank you all. <laughs> if you did that... They would chase you down the parking lot, I can guarantee you. Now, uh, we're not going to chase you down the parking lot. Um, But it's important that we think about the resource that God has given us to give. And each one of us together can make a difference. And we've talked to a few folks already about taking a lead in this campaign. And in a minute, Janice is going to tell you how far we've already come. It's amazing how God's already inspired in some incredible ways. But one of the questions that, that comes up in these conversations is, you know, how much should I give? 
Well, let me say that Montrose group and the Jerusalem group, Asia Minor group, they, they gave their all. But let me make it a little more clear. Um, giving, in some ways, is kind of like an apple. Big, beautiful apple. Representing the beauty of who we are, nutrition, color, goodness, taste, all that God's given us. And this apple is particularly wonderful because this little label here says, it's a pink lady apple. Mm. I know that's got to be good. Now, this apple is so good that it is my intent to share it. In fact, just kind of check this out, Bernie. Is that a good-looking apple or what? Would you? Ah! Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. I will give you some of this, but this is so good. Mm. I'll let you have at least a smell, Janice. What do you think? It's ju it is juicy, and uh, I am so grateful I have this apple, and I intend to share some of this beautiful apple, but you know, gas prices are going up, <laughs> and I need to make sure I have enough. And I just got all my subscription packages for the opera and the ballet, and those prices have gone up. And Astro season is starting. And I need to make sure I have enough for Astro season. And I always do it. Oh. And I need some more. Mm. Oh. Mm, it's getting better. <laughs> oh, God, you have given us so much. We thank you, God. Mm. God, you are so generous. Mm. Mm, thank you. Mm. This summer, in August, mm, I'm turning 48. And I need to think a little bit more about retirement. I need to plan carefully to make sure there's enough when I'm older. Mm. Mm. Oh, I'll give you one more look at this. I'm going to save you some, I promise. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. One more. I'll save you the best. I will save you the best part if you let me just have a couple of more bites. Oh. You know, God gives us so much. God gives us so much that it just kind of overflows. And yet, we want more. And more. And more. And you know? Whoa. Mm. Mm. I heard that. Uh, mm. um, I heard that apple prices are going up. <laughs> 
And so I got asked, this may be my last apple. Why should I give away my last apple? I don't know. I promised God. What do you think? Is that left for you? You want that? I know it don't look so good anymore, but it still tastes good. I don't know. I promised that I would give God the best part. And yet, I find myself taking all that's there. I'm going to ask, how much do I really need? How much is enough? Do I really believe God will feed me? Do I really believe God will care for me? God, I want to give it all. But God, you understand, don't you? Oh, well. What's left? To God be the glory. I'm sure you can do something with this. Simple question. How much? The very fact that I can breathe is because God gave me breath. And when I looked at uh, what I was going to do for this campaign, I got out my legal pad, worked the figures, and thought, you know, it's worth it. I may have to shift some things in my life. I may have to wear some clothes an extra few months or an extra year, maybe a little out of style. I may have to give up a few luxuries, a few things I enjoy. But what if that saves someone's life? What if it helps us to bear witness to our community and make a difference in our schools to where one less child is picked on or maybe one less child is murdered or one less temple is defaced or one less person is called a name? How do we put a price tag on that? It's not about us. We give it all. One person that gave it all was Archbishop Oscar Romero. He was a liberation theologian. He was consecrating communion and he was murdered during the consecration. But um, those who knew him said he would have done it again. This is what he says about why we are called to give. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The realm of God is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the realm of God always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. 
No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold the future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, yet it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, Yet that is the difference between the architect and the builder. We're builders, not architects. Ministers, not messiahs. We are the prophets of a future, not our own. And we can trust the architect. And the architect deserves our best, not what's left over. This isn't going to change the world, not this, but this will. And our hearts joined together will. Why are we here? We are here because we were planned by the greatest giver of all. The one who gave us life and gave us heart and gave us the ability to love and gave us the ability to imagine. Why are we here? I love the way another one of our ancestors, John Wesley, said it. He simply said, do all the good you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, as long as ever you can. Let us imagine together. Join with me in the prayer. It's on page five in the left-hand corner. Dear God, we ask you to help us imagine with you as we work to make our dreams come true, the things we could do with you by our side and the places we could go with you as our guide. God, show us what can happen when we dream, believe, give, and live. We can't do it by ourselves. We need you. Amen and amen. I hope you have received one of those brochures by now, and if, if not, you can stop by the concierge and pick it up. So you may be asking yourself, what is this Imagine campaign? And uh, the, bold, the goal is very bold. We're trying to raise $2 million over three years, and that is over and beyond our regular tithes and offering. And that does sound crazy, but I'm a firm believer that when God's Holy Spirit moves upon a people, they do begin to look a little drunk and a little crazy and a little out of body and mind. 
I'm uh, deeply honored and humbled to work with some incredible leaders in this congregation. Throughout Holy Week, I looked around every day and had to pinch myself because there were people that were doing things that they were simply called to do. I thought, what makes Terry Talley run around here for two hours with that vacuum? <laughs> Why is Georgette picking up paper all in the back and vacuuming herself? And what makes these people show up and move these tables to prepare an intimate space for worship? And I realized it's something they cannot not do. And that's what this is about. Our um, consultant came in and helped us. Um, the leaders tried to figure out how to run this campaign and do this sort of thing, and he started interviewing our uh, board of directors and staff and leaders of the campaign individually. And he pulled Dwayne and I aside, and he said, well, your, your people have all got one thing on mind. You've done a really good job of keeping everybody focused on a vision. And we had to say, well, what, what is that vision? <laughs> what exactly? Because we thought we knew what it was. And, and he said, oh, they're excited about, you know, attracting, including, and maturing, and and, you know, leading this congregation. And we're like, oh, all right. And then he says, but they're also very excited about what God's going to do to your building next door. And that's when we realized that God had planted seeds in all of our hearts. We can't afford, even with $2 million necessarily, to make that next step. But what we can do is dream about it. We can begin to raise the money to be financially stable that we can maybe design it, step into it, and that's what one dreamer did when he created that model for us. Congregation is being called by the Holy Spirit. And it's a powerful thing. And I want to tell you that I'm so proud to tell you that 27 of your leaders stepped forward to give a pledge. And we're at $269,000 before we even go into next Sunday. And what is next Sunday, you ask? It's two very important things. On Saturday is a prayer vigil. It's a 12-hour prayer vigil where this congregation is going to pray for our future. We're going to make sure that God's in the middle of whatever we're doing. And so I ask you to commit to 30 minutes of that day. There's a sign-up sheet in the, con- in the gathering place. We already have over 50 people committed to praying during those hours. Stop and do that. Let that be the seeds of your calling. And then April 6th, next Sunday, is Commitment Sunday, and that's where all of us come together with our pledges. But to know that, that these people right now have already committed over a quarter of a million dollars, these are people who are already giving, who are stretching themselves to believe in tomorrow. So I ask you to join us all in imagining, believing, and dreaming, and then giving and living the life that God holds for us. Let's prepare for our offering. Gracious God, indeed, we thank you that you have given us the honor and privilege of being your people. We thank you that you're calling us by name and then collecting us as a community of faith. That individually you can place your hopes and your visions for tomorrow and then collectively you can move and multiply that faith to big things. Help us to believe in our children. Help us to live in that tomorrow. Give us the faith we need, God, and receive our offerings now, the best of what we have, God, for you. We use it to glorify your name and draw others unto you, for indeed, we want to be used to save the world. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.